If you don't know, this, the author of that hymn or that song is by Keith Green, one of the, uh, my childhood hero. As a young boy, became Christian at the age of 15. His music and his book has been instrumental in my own journey as a Christian. Uh, very, very powerful singer and very passionate. I wonder how many of you heard of this story about a, a, a guy uh, went to study overseas and he didn't write much back to, he never contact his parents at all. And then suddenly his parents back in Asian countries received uh, letters from, from him. They said, dear mom and dad, I know you haven't heard much from me in recent months, but the fact is this, a few weeks back, there was a fire in the flat that I lived in and I lost all my possessions. In fact, I only escaped with my life by jumping out of a second floor window. And in the process of doing so, I broke my leg. So I ended up in hospital. While in hospital, I met a girl was a divorcee and was hospitalized because she was bashed by her ex-husband. We immediately fell in love. And well, to cut the long story short, last Saturday, we got married. I inherited four kids from her two failed marriages, and they all call me dad. Many of our friends say this was over hasty, but I'm convinced that our love will more than compensate for the difference between our social backgrounds and ethnic origins. And by this time, mom and dad, I suspect you may be getting a bit worried and probably falling off your chair. So let me tell you straight away that everything I have written in this letter up to now is false. I made it up. But the truth is, two weeks ago, I failed my final exams. And I just want you to get this in the proper perspective. <laughs> He's a very clever boy, isn't it? He's a very clever boy. Well, we need some perspective in life. And this morning, with the time that I have, before we get it together and celebrate lunch, that we do it every fifth Sunday of the month, uh, I want to give you some perspective. We have been working through the Lord's Prayer, and we are coming down to the fifth petitions that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, to address God as our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. The three petitions is upward, Godward, and then the next three petitions gives us this day our daily bread, forgives us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then next week, Pastor Caroline will touch on, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Want. And this morning, what I want to share with you, to give you some perspective on forgiveness. And forgives us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Straight away, when you look at this verse, there are a twofold message here. We are to release our sins, and we are also to release the sins of others. Forgiveness is a truly divine and amazing fact. It is not something to be taken lightly and given without 
thought. But something which should be deeply considered and given from the deepest recesses of one's heart. And in my opinion, love, compassion, and forgiveness constitute a backbone of our humanity. Love, compassion, and forgiveness constitute the backbone of our humanity. In essence, if you really think about it, what sort of world would this be if we did not forgive? What sort of world would we live in if everybody do not forgive and hold grudges? Mahandras Gandhi say, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And you have only two. It probably end up today. An eye for an eye will make the whole world blind. And the Archbishop of South Africa, or the late Archbishop of South Africa, Desmond Tutu, we all know the country and Dutu, apartheid and all that, uh, once stated that without memory, there can be no healing. And without forgiveness, there can be no future. These words carry more wisdom than we may ever know. We really think about it. Without memory, there is no healing. And without forgiveness, there is no future. To forgive isn't necessarily to forget, unless you are demented. Sometimes in marriage, it's not a bad idea to have a little bit of dementia. Sometimes remembrance can prevent the same atrocity from occurring again. However, lack of forgiveness only hurts, not helps all those involved. But forgiveness is hard work. Some is harder than others. Sometimes forgiveness is harder for others than for some. Very much depends on your personality, very, as a Christian, very much depends on how much you surrender yourself to the Lord. It is hard work. That is why people say to err is human and to forgive is divine, as we all know this phrase. And forgiveness is definitely a virtue of the brave. It is not for cowards. It is a virtue of the brave. C.S. Lewis said that everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. And then he went on to say, the real trouble about the duty of forgiveness is that you do it with all your might on Monday and then find on Wednesday that it hasn't stayed put and all has to be done over again. Forgiveness does not change the past but it lasts, it does enlarge our future. So here in this uh, prayer that Jesus taught the disciples, forgives us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We are to release our sin, believing that God, when we come before God, confess our sin, God will forgive our sin. Those who genuinely believe that you are not a sinner, he's self-deceived. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10 say, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
But if we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is just. He will forgive us our sins and He will purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a, make him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. We all sin. We all do the wrong things. Brendan Manning, a Catholic priest, wrote a book called The Importance of Being Foolish. And this is what he says. He says, self-deception is the enemy of wholeness because it prevents us from seeing ourselves as we really are. It covers up our lack of growth in the spirit of the truthful one. And it keeps us from coming to terms with our real personalities. No choice was possible until the enemy was identified through a painful process. Self-deception had to be unmasked in all its absurdity if wholeness is to be experienced. So the starting point is to acknowledge, to realize, to recognize and to admit that we are sinners. It is not a popular concept because it acknowledges guilt. And over the years, thanks to our great father of psychology, Sigmund Freud, has over the years been trying to continually say that guilt is no bad. A lot of our emotional stress are due to unfound guilt. And so the way to get rid of the emotional stress is to get rid of guilt. If you can get rid of guilt, then you can get rid of a lot of your unnecessary emotional stress. You know what I'm going to do? I, I think I took out the sponge. must have dropped it in, the, uh, in what I'm changing. So I'm going to use the handheld mic just to prevent uh, the... So Sigmund, Sigmund Freud has told us to get rid of guilt. When you get rid of guilt, then you don't have emotional, unnecessarily emotional stress. But I think the way to handle unnecessary emotional distress is not to get rid of guilt, is to confess a sin. To honestly believe that God will forgive you when you come before Him. To ask for forgiveness as claim. And we all have been through the process of talking so much about God forgiving our sin by looking at the cross, that Jesus died on the cross for us and forgiving our sins. But this morning, from the remaining time I have, I want to concentrate on the second part of this prayer, to forgive others, forgive our debtors. And so I want to give you, for the time, remaining time, I want to give you four reasons why we should forgive. Why we should forgive. Number one, because we are commanded to forgive. We are commanded to forgive. Let me read to you verse chapter 6, verse 14. And for the end of the Lord's Prayer, finish off with this. 
Not just only this, forgives us our debts that we claim, asking God to forgive us, and then as we also forgiven, forgive our debtors. But Matthew chapter 6 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, for us Christians, immediately when we reach a verse like this, it means to say that God's forgiveness of me is contingent upon my forgiveness of others. If I don't forgive others, does it mean that I will lose my salvation because I don't forgive others? Because here specifically it says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you read in context, this is not in terms of the salvation context of sin. This is in terms of relational kind of sin that we are talking about. Forgiveness of sin by Jesus, the work, the work is done by Jesus. Salvation is entirely, completely, fully, 100% the work of God. Sending Jesus to die for us on the cross. We've done nothing. And we just believe and receive this, this gift that is given to us. And we have salvation in Christ and follow Him the days of our life. That has been secured. So it's not referring to that salvation type of sin that we're talking about. It is referring to the relational type of sin. That if we ask God for, gift, for forgiveness, then it's right that we also forgive others. It's relational. If we do not forgive, then it affects your relationship with God. It's a little bit like your son or your daughter. It's your son, it's your daughter. But there is some strain between two of you. And as such, it affects your relationship, your, your son and your relation, or your daughter and your relationship. It's, but it's still your son, it's still your daughter. But relationally, it is affected. And so here, we are told that we should forgive others because God commands it. Romans chapter 12, St. Paul say, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will hit burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with God, with good. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We should forgive because God commands us. And I tend to think that your ability to forgive others will significantly diminish if you do not seek forgiveness from God. Can I repeat that again? I know you hear some noise, the water that's draining out. I repeat that. Your ability to forgive others will significantly diminish if you have never had the habit of asking God for forgiveness. If you are aware of that, constantly aware, asking God for forgiveness, the greater it is your capacity to be able to forgive others. There is a direct relationship between the two. 
forgives us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. So if you are unable to forgive, it's because you have never in your own life draw asking God for forgiveness for your own sins. But if you are able to do that, your ability to forgive will be greater. Your capacity will be greater. And Martin Luther King said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. It is our attitude. When we receive forgiveness from God, we must extend forgiveness to others. Whether they deserve it or not, whether they're aware of it or not, you have to release it. Second reason is because of the example of Jesus. Jesus set the example, gives us the model of forgiveness when he died on the cross. So second reason for forgiveness is because of the example of Jesus. Jesus on the cross, before he died, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They know not what they do. I often have problem with that. It's a sentence. What do you mean they know not what they do? They know, right? They were the one who crucified Jesus, nailing Jesus to the cross. What do you mean by they don't know what they're doing? I mean, it's either you know and therefore you need forgiveness or you don't know, you don't need forgiveness. But how do you square the two together that you know they don't know what they do and yet is for forgiveness. Finally, my conclusion is probably because they are guilty for not knowing what they are doing. They are guilty for not knowing that they are crucifying, nailing God incarnate in the person of Jesus on the cross. Because forgiveness is only needed for the guilty. Nobody can forgive an innocent person. That's why all this talk these days about forgiving God is so wrong-headed. Indeed, I would even say blasphemous. Forgiveness is for the guilty. So when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, he means they are guilty. And then when he says, for they don't know what they are doing, he must mean that they should know what they are doing. And because of that, they are guilty for not knowing what they are doing. Mark Twain has a very beautiful phrase about forgiveness. He said, forgiveness is the fragrance the violet sheds on the hill that has crushed it. How beautiful is that? Forgiveness is the fragrance the violet sheds on the hill that has crushed it. Jesus gives us the example by on dying on the cross and plead for forgiveness for those who were ignorant of what they should know that they were crucifying Jesus on the cross. And that example inspired another person in the Bible. In Acts chapter 7, it says that it was St. Stephen. St. Stephen, while they were stoning him in chapter 7, while they were stoning him to death, St. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees, and then he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he has said this, he fell asleep. Lord, do not hold this sin 
against them. Jesus set us the example. It influenced St. Stephen. And I hope in many ways he can influence us to go on to forgive others. Model is important, isn't it? Example is important. They always say that values are caught and taught. We need to see. You need to be see, not just only words. See rather than just words. Thirdly, I think forgiveness is necessary because it is good for our own soul. It is good for our own soul. There's no doubt that research after research, has studies after studies has produced that forgiveness is good for your own well-being. And I read one study suggests that people who forgive experience physical and mental health benefits. And research also indicates the beneficial health bene benefits vary by age and are affected by a person's willingness to forgive others, their willingness to forgive themselves, and feelings of being forgiven by God. And the study uh, that I read was conducted by University of Michigan and partly funded by the health. It, it, this is to say, it says that they found that young adults aged between 18 and 44 were less likely to forgive others than middle-aged adults 45 to 64 and older adults 65 and above. Younger adults were also less likely to believe they had been forgiven by God. And that is why I link it. Is it? If you believe God's forgive you and you constantly draw forgiveness from God, your ability to forgive others is always raised up tremendously. It is good for our so, Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison. This is what he said as he, he said, as I walk out the door towards the gate that will lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'll still be imprisoned. I'm heading up for freedom, physical freedom. But I know if I do not leave my bitterness and hatred behind, then I will still be in prison even though physically I'm a free man. It's good for our soul. It has physical benefits. It has psychological benefits. It has relational benefits. It has spiritual benefits. There are many, many benefits when you forgive. Psychologically, it heals your minds and emotions. Physical benefits, how many of our bitterness and resentment lead us to poor health? It neutralizes our life-threatening anger. As they always say, anger is only one letter short of danger. It neutralizes those things. And also relational benefits. It holds a hope of reconciliation. There's a hope of reconciling. Relationship never try because the guilty are punished. It always try because the innocents are merciful. We all need to become great forgivers in our relationship. There is one key that will enrich our life here on earth. Because forgiveness will save your marriage when nothing else will. 
Forgiveness will restore your family when nothing else will. Forgiveness will repair a broken heart when nothing else will. Forgiveness is the key that opened a closed heart. So there are psychological benefits, there are physical benefits, spiritual benefit, relational benefit. If I may add in now, I will add in kingdom benefit. Kingdom benefit if we can forgive others and people see, hey, how is this guy able to forgive? Kingdom benefits as well. And lastly, why we need to forgive? Because spiritual knowledge is only attained through obedience. Spiritual knowledge is only attained through obedience. If you study to be a doctor, if you study to be an accountant, or whatever profession, carpenter, or tradesman, whatever trade, your knowledge is gained by studying, learning. But spiritual knowledge is only gained through obedience. It cannot just be attained through memorizing scripture verse. I know this, I know this. It doesn't work that way. Spiritual knowledge, real spiritual life, can only be experienced through obedience. That is the fastest way to grow spiritual life. Fastest way to gain spiritual knowledge is always through the doorway of obedience and not just memorizing scripture verses, knowing the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It is attained through obedience. And that is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, remember the, the verse that I quoted before, or you heard it many times, when someone comes to the altar and presents a sacrifice before God, and if their heart knows that they have something that they need to sort out right, Jesus said, leave your sacrifice there, go and reconcile, and then you return. Interestingly, Jesus said, leave your sacrifice there. Okay, Don't take the sacrifice with you. Leave your sacrifice there. Go and sort it out. Return back. Return back. Be reconciled with your brothers or sister, and then come and offer your gift. It's almost like saying, don't say another word to me. First, be obedient by making things right. Go and get it right first. So spiritual knowledge is only attained through obedience. And I believe that this one area of forgiveness will literally set us free from our prison. It will liberate us. It will enrich our life relationally. Why? Because most of our problems in life are relational. Most heartaches in life are relational. It is not because you don't have this toy or, or your house is not as nice as this person and not be able to get this house on this suburb or whatever. Our major problems in life are relational. Deepest heartache are relational problems. And for us believers, when we act it out, it brings liberation and you truly attain spiritual knowledge. You truly experience 
what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ instead of just cognitive knowledge that we accumulate over the years coming to church and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But you actually experience Your spiritual knowledge become an experiential knowledge. It's not just cognitive knowledge. Two New Testament words we translate to forgive means literally to let go and to cancel a debt. And that's why the word forgives us our debt. Because that is the right word in Greek. To cancel a debt. To let go. And for me, I found that the phrase, I forgive you, sometimes seems a bit empty. So I said, instead, I release you. I release you. I let you go. I let go of this offense. I cancel your debt. You owe me nothing now. I renounce my desire to get even with you. And sometimes when I use those words, the imagery of this biblical language filled the word forgiveness with a more specific and concrete meaning. I release you. I let you go. I let go of this offense. I cancel your debt. You owe me nothing now. I renounce my desire to get even with you. So four reasons why we receive forgiveness from God. We then have to extend forgiveness to those who have wounded us because God commanded it, because Jesus modeled it, because it is good for our soul, and because spiritual knowledge is only attained through obedience. Let me close with this. Once upon a time, there were two brothers who live on adjoining farms, felt they fell into conflict. And it was the first serious reef in 40 years of farming side by side. Sharing machinery and trading labor and goods as needed without a hitch. 40 years. And then the long collaboration fell apart. It began with a small misunderstanding. And then it grew into a major difference. And finally, it exploded into an exchange of bitter words, followed by weeks of silence. <clears throat> and one morning, there was a knock on John's door. He opened it to find a man with a carpenter's toolbox. He said, I'm looking for a few days' work. Perhaps you have a few small jobs here and there that I could help you with? Could I help you? And the older brother, John, said, Yes, I do have a job for you. Now look across the creek at the farm. That's my neighbor. In fact, he's my younger brother. Last week, there was a meadow between us, and he took his bulldozer to the river lever, and now there is a creek between us. Well, he may have done this to spike me, but I'll do one better. I'll build a fence, an eight-foot fence, so I won't need to see his place or his face 
anymore. So this is what I want you to do. Build an eight-foot fence all over, across. And so the older brother had to go to town, so he helped the carpenter get the materials ready, and then he was off for the day. And the carpenter worked hard all that day, measuring, sawing, nailing. And after sunset, when the farmer returned, the carpenter had just finished his job. And the farmer's eyes opened wide. His jaw dropped. There was no fence there at all. Instead, the carpenter had built a bridge. A bridge stretching from one side of the creek to the other. A fine piece of work, hand drills and all, and the neighbor, his younger brother, was coming across, his hand outstretched. And John said to the carpenter, you're quite a fellow to build this bridge after all I've said and done. Oh, sorry, the younger brother said this to the older brother. Say, you're quite a fellow to build this bridge after all I've said and done. And the two brothers stood at each end of the bridge and then they met in the middle, taking each other's hand. They turned to see the carpenter hoist his toolbox on his shoulder and they said, no, 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 wait. Please stay a few more days. I've got a lot of other projects for you, said the older brother. And the carpenter simply said, I love to stay on, but I have many more bridges to build. I pray that we will be like the carpenter. Leave this place and build bridges. Don't erect fences. We receive forgiveness from God. Graciously, courageously forgive others. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your living word. It's living, it's not a dead word. It's written thousands of years ago. It is living word. And we pray that it, it will become a living word in our own lives when we walk in obedience. Because spiritual knowledge is always attained through obedience. We grow lips and bounds in our spiritual life when we walk in obedience. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sin, for forgiving our sins. And when we are in that position to acknowledge and receive that forgiveness, we will then will be in a greater capacity to forgive others. Gives us courage to do so, as difficult as it may be. It's never easy for you too, when you die on a cross, to forgive us. It costs your life. Help us to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, wanting to do things 
that honor and please you. So we ask for strength, we ask for courage to do what we have received from you. We thank you. Amen.